This week has been less than perfect, but my God is always perfect. Amen. So I very much look forward to coming in and enjoying the presence of God. Praise God. Uh, by way of announcements, we have uh, a faith promise service this April 18th. Uh, Brother and Sister Nichols are going to be here with us preaching that. We're very much looking forward to them, uh, to our <clears throat> to having our missionaries come and deliver unto us faith, faith in God. Uh, we'll wait on that for just a moment. Uh, also, on May 23rd, Save our nation. Thank you. Obviously, I can't find my notes on this, so I'm winging it. <laughs> Part of the week. Save our nation. Please be in prayer for that. Be in prayer for our missionary service, our faith promise service. Uh, God honors faith. Amen? He won't do anything except first his people respond to him in faith. Uh, when God is wanting to do something, he calls his people to a place of prayer, a place of fasting, a place of preparation. And shortly after that, he calls his people to action. He's calling us to action. Amen. Now, I understand it's Wednesday. Everyone's tired. I totally get that. I do. <clears throat> I'm with you guys. <clears throat> the Lord is wanting to do something in this city. But he won't do it all by himself. He has bound himself to us. And... He has given, he is giving us opportunities to step out in faith. To step out, uh, and trust the Lord. And these things that He is going to be asking of us, uh, at first may not be a whole lot, but later on they will be enormous. They will be impossible. But God will work through that situation to enact exactly that, the impossible. But we have got to be faithful to him, and we've got to trust him that when he, he asks us to do something, that we respond in faith, believing that he's going to do something through that. Amen. <clears throat> Let's all stand. I'm wondering if we can, for just a moment tonight, before we get into the word, let's just spend a little bit of time. Uh, let's, let's touch the throne of grace tonight. Let's call out to God. Uh, there are several needs in our congregation. There are certainly needs in this city, this county. And the Lord is preparing us to do something crazy. He's preparing us to do something insane, except that God would be with us. <clears throat> He's going to ask us to take lands that it is impossible for us to take, to conquer enemies that we have no power over of ourselves. But God is going to work through us, and we are going to see victory in every one of these areas. Amen. But for tonight, let's touch the throne of grace. Let's call out to God. Let's get in tune with what he's wanting to do in our service. He has a purpose for this service. He has a purpose for each one of us being here tonight. Let's pray that that purpose comes to fruition, that all of God's heart, all of God's will is manifest in this service tonight. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. You are truly an awesome God. I am in awe of you tonight. I am overwhelmed with your goodness. I'm overwhelmed with your mercy. I'm overwhelmed with your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for the sacrifice that you sacrificed on Calvary, that you took my place in judgment so that I might have a relationship with you, that I might have an eternal hope in you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, for that future hope. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me in times past, that you saved me, that you delivered me, that you washed me, that you took me when I was a long ways off and you drew me nigh into the presence of God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our present, for the hope that we have in you, the things that you're desiring to do through each of us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to stay focused on the task at hand. Help us to endure hardness as a good soldier. Help us, Lord Jesus, to bear one another's burdens. Help us, Lord Jesus, to stay focused, to stay attent unto the voice of the Lord our God, that tonight our eyes and our ears would be attent unto you, that we would hear the voice of Almighty God tonight, that you would speak with your people, and that you would minister unto them according to their needs and according to your perfect will. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that your perfect will would be manifest in our service tonight, that all of your heart would be manifest in our presence this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. Make known unto us your will. Make known unto us your good pleasure tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus that we might respond in kind, that we might respond in faith-believing. Lord Jesus, when you, when you tell us to do something, help us to respond in faith, to not question, to not fear, to not doubt, but help us to simply obey, that the good hand of the Lord would be upon us, that your blessings would be poured out upon this people. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I desperately desire your blessings. I desperately desire the good things of God. Help us to know wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help us to get in line with what you're desiring to do here tonight. The ministration of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give honor, glory, worship, and praise unto the Almighty this evening. Because you alone are worthy to receive it. Hallelujah, Jesus. I laud and I magnify your excellent name, your most excellent name, your most wondrous name, the name of Jesus Christ. It is lifted up. It is worshipped. It is glorified in this house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you speak this evening, Lord, we will respond in kind. When you speak to us this evening, we will respond in faith-believing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Nothing is too hard for you. All things are possible with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are so very limited. We are so limited. But you have no fetters on you. You have no chains. You have no limitations of any kind. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are high and lifted up and your train fills the temple. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing to include us in your great plan. Thank you for using us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. All these things we ask, all of these things we pray, in the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would move mightily here tonight, that you would move according to your good pleasure. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Can we lift up his name for just a minute? Can we give glory and honor unto the Most High? Hallelujah, Jesus. We do worship and praise you. We do laud and magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no thing too hard for you. There is no thing too difficult for you. All things are possible with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are exalted. You are magnified in this and in every place. Hallelujah, Jesus. The heavens are your throne. The earth is your footstool. You sit upon the throne all by yourself. There is no God beside you. There is no Savior beside you. You are God all alone. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And because of what you did at Calvary, we are your people. 
We are your covenant people. Thank you, Jesus, for establishing a covenant, a relationship with us. Thank you, Jesus. We do worship and praise you. We do give glory and honor unto you tonight. You are the Most High. You are the King. You are God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. He is exalted and he is worthy. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can be seated. For those of you who have, who have not yet asked, uh, there is no handout tonight. So, <laughs> that's another story. But there is, there is no handout tonight. I apologize for that. Ezra chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. We're going to be talking about faith tonight. Ezra chapter 3, verses 11 through 13 says this. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men, and had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice. And many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. And Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, we'll just read the first part of this. For who hath despised the day of small things? Amen. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we find two kinds of people mentioned. Those that are shouting for joy and those that wept with a loud voice. Those that wept were weeping because they remembered the first temple. They remembered Solomon's temple in all of its glory. Everything filled with gold, brass, Silver was not, I mean, the riches of King Solomon was, it was mind-blowing. The access that they had to resources. When they built this first temple, it was extravagant. It was, it was opulent. And it was, it was absolutely amazing to look at. And it was all dedicated in service to the Lord, the God of Israel. And this temple, when it was torn down, when it was destroyed, I can only imagine what the people felt, the emotions that came. I can only imagine how they, that the temple of God was destroyed. Now, of course, we know why the temple was destroyed. It was for rebellion. It was for disobedience sake. But they had learned their lesson. God had removed them to Assyria and to Babylon. And now God put it in the heart of the king to send a remnant back. Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls. Ezra was getting together the law and teaching the people the Mosaic law.
And they had laid the foundation of the new temple. Those that had not seen the old temple had rejoiced and were rejoicing. God is coming back. He's restoring his people. The old timers, the ancient men who had seen the old temple, they remembered how things used to be. One group had faith in God for the past. The other had faith in God for the future. Now, both of those are pretty easy to have. It's easy to believe God for the future because the future isn't here yet. There's all, it's unlimited possibility at this point. I can't fail. I can't disappoint. I can only do that in the present. In the future, there, there's hope. There's promise. I can, I can believe God for what he did in the past. I can read the miracles in scripture. I can listen to people's testimonies. I can remember what he did in my life. And I believe those things. They happen to me. They happen to you. I have faith in what he did in the past. But the problem is the present. The present is where we live. The present is where we conduct business. The present is where God does things. Where he does things through his people. But that's where we have the most difficulty, isn't it? In the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 24, we hear the account of Jesus coming into town because his friend Lazarus had died. The story picks up in in, uh, verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave, speaking of Lazarus, four days already. Now Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Faith in the past. She knew that if Jesus were here, he could have healed him. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. It seems like she has faith for the present. She's speaking faith. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She has faith for the future. And in fact, the account goes on. We see that Jesus groaned in his spirit. We see that he wept. It wasn't for Lazarus. He knew Lazarus was about to come back from the dead. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping because of the lack of faith. There are three kinds of faith that we can have. And I gave them, or others, I didn't. Others have given them nice, fancy-sounding terms. The first, we're going to call faith for the past. Other people would call it epistemological faith. Now, epistemology, that's a fancy philosophical term that means the theory of knowledge. It answers, it seeks to answer questions like, what do we know? How do we know that we know? What does it mean to say that we know something? Those seem like almost ridiculous questions, but they're really not. This type of faith opposes the so-called blind faith that Christians are accused of having today and, unfortunately, in some cases, still do. Again, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We don't have a blind faith. We have a reasonable faith. We have reasons to believe why we 
the way that we do, the things that we place our faith in and our trust, we have reasons to do that. This type of faith is based on spiritual divine understanding. And we see that those without this type of faith will ignore or reject God's work in the world. Those that don't have this kind of faith have no basis for faith. They may as well believe with equal veracity in the flying spaghetti monster. Because they have no reason for either. Except they want to. In the New Testament, we see this faith exhibited in that the most well-trained of the Jews appear blind to Christ's identity. And at the same time, the most unlikely men and women so understanding as to who he is. Samaritans, Gentiles, the publicans, the sinners. They could see who Jesus was. Because this type of faith is based on a knowledge of God's past deeds and his word, and gives us reasons based on those past deeds to believe, we're going to call this faith for the past. We can believe God for past deeds. The second type of faith that people have, that we have, is eschatological faith. Faith in the future. Faith in the, the, the end time promises. The ultimate goal of every Christian is to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. And that is our hope. That is our promise. No matter what happens down here, good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't really matter. Because at the end of all of this, I'm going to be with Jesus for all of eternity. That's my hope. That's what keeps me going. This type of faith allows us to understand future events as God does. Of course, today our knowledge is imperfect, but someday I believe soon everything's going to be revealed. When Christ comes again, we're going to enter into our reward, and those that rejected Christ will enter into their punishment. And this, this is why we ought not be so worked up about politics, about cultural craziness. <clears throat> the, thing that, the thing that I'm tempted to succumb to the most, me personally, is all of these multi-billionaires who hate God, and they keep rolling in the money. That's the one thing that if I were tempted to, if I, if I let my guard down, I start thinking about that. But see, here's the thing. Here's what quickly comes to mind. After God shakes everything out, we're going to flip all of that. Now I'm the guy rolling in, in the riches. And they're not. We have riches that will last forever. We will never spend them. We will never work through them. We will enjoy them for all of eternity. The riches that we have accumulated in heaven waiting for us. And that's where our hearts ought to be focused on. That's where our eyes ought to be attent to. The Lord Jesus Christ, eternity, eternal things. That's what we need to stay focused on. Because that, honestly, that is more real than this is. I know that this seems, because this is the immediate. This is screaming at us 24-7. Take care of me. Do this. Do that. Come here. I mean, we get that. We're bombarded with that. If you have an email account, God help you, sir, ma'am, because you're getting flooded with all kinds of emails. <clears throat> Information is coming at us nonstop. And it's all breaking news. It's all, <laughs> if you don't watch this, you're going to die. <clears throat> so, okay, I got, I got, I got to stay up to date on these things. It's nonstop. And, it's right in front of us all the time. This world. Add to that all of our legitimate, good responsibilities that we need to take care of. We have bills we need to pay. We have families we need to feed. We have, you know, we have responsibilities here that, they, that we need to take care of them. But all of this is going to burn away. 
that brand new car, that brand new boat, that brand new house that you're so proud of and you're taking care of, that car in, in 20 years is going to be in a, in a nice compact cube sitting in a landfill somewhere. And it won't matter how much you buff it out and how much, how clean you vacuum the inside. Take care of your car. Definitely make it look good. But I'm just saying at the end, of, at the end of all of it, it's going to junk. It's going to, it's going to go away. As will the rest of this, everything. It's all going to burn. It's all going away. So do what you need to do to take care of what you need to take care of, but put everything you can into the kingdom of God. Everything you can, every waking minute, every ounce of strength you have, invested in the kingdom of God, because that's going to last for eternity. Amen. So, where were we? We were in the future. That's right. <laughs> how, how I'm looking forward to that future. And we can comfort one another with that future, can't we? 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18 states this. For we say unto you, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There is no greater comfort than that, church. That someday all the pain goes away, the sickness goes away, the aches and pains go away. We're going to get a new, brand new model. And it's going to last forever. Amen. So we have faith in that. We have faith in that future hope. But there is a third kind of faith that we need, that we desperately need. It's a covenantal faith, faith for the present. The Hebrew word used in the Old Testament translates this way, trust, reliability, faithful, those that have the ability to remain stable amid the unsettling circumstances of life, realizing God's truth has established them. I like that. This kind of faith is different than an epistemological faith in that we're not talking about believing a set of doctrine. We're not talking about putting our faith in a creed or, uh, or a set of rules, principles. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about faith in a relationship with someone. In this case, our faith in God. We trust in God because we have a relationship with Him. We have a covenant relationship with Him. We're still talking about covenants. We understand how seriously God takes that. He will not break covenant with us. He won't. I don't care what happens. He will not break covenant. So when He gives us a promise, it's going to happen. God is not a man that he, he can lie. He will not repent. When he speaks something, it most surely will come to pass. It will. You can bank whatever you can on it. Here we see a relationship between stated belief and demonstration. So we need to have, we need to take action on those things we say we believe. Faith has less to do with this particular kind of faith. It has less to do with particular ideas than it does with the integrity of our relationship with God. When we become unfaithful, we have broke covenant with God. When I become, when, if I had become unfaithful with my spouse, I'm breaking covenant with her. I'm breaking the marriage covenant that I've established with her because, not because I don't believe in, in the institution of marriage anymore, but because I have demonstrated unfaithfulness to her. So that's the kind of faith we're talking about. 
that we are faithful to the Lord our God. This type of faith is not merely a a cerebral exercise or an eager wish, but a command with the expectation of fidelity and trust. We cannot be unfaithful to God and expect Him to bless us. We cannot be unfaithful to Him and then go and claim promises in His Word. Those promises are only for those in covenant with Him. If you've broken covenant, they're not yours. Stay away from them. Now, it's easy enough to get back in covenant. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. That He is merciful and His mercies are renewed every morning. We can come back into covenant. And the promises are ours to claim again. The resources of heaven are ours to claim again. God wants His people to remain faithful to Him, committed to Him. In the Gospels, we see this kind of language. In, in Jesus' calls for repentance and His calls to believe, those are that He's using covenantal language there. Beckoning Israel to turn away from infidelity and to return to true obedience to God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's calling his people to repentance. Come back to me. Toward the end, he cries. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto you, how oft would I have gathered thee together, but you would not. Therefore, your house is left unto you desolate. I want to be faithful to God. This type of faith is faith for the present, and it is the most difficult kind of faith to have. Not because it's any more powerful or any more significant. It has everything to do with us. We can believe God for some future event, some past event. But here, right now, will God come through for me? Will God really honor the promise he gave me? Will he do it for me? I know he'll do it for other people. I've seen him do it for other people. But will he do it for me? Really? He knows what kind of guy I am. He knows what thoughts I've been thinking. Will he do it for me? Again, we know he can. But will he? Men, women who have humble beginnings, probably all of us here, I don't see anybody with a a sir before their name or a lord or lady, anyone, royalty, Brother McGinnis, okay, one, we got one, (laughs) children of the king, that's right. <laughs> those that have humble beginnings, those that are born in obscurity, those are the people. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brother McGinnis, that's not you anymore. <laughs> but for the rest of us, that is exactly the kind of person God is looking for. People of low estate, humble beginnings. A lot of great men in the Bible had these kinds of beginnings. Joseph, we know his story. God gave him great promises, wonderful promises. 
And then he got sold into slavery. And then he got thrown into prison. And then, as he stayed faithful to God, he did those things he knew to do, those things that were right. God exalted him to the number two man in Egypt. Moses. Moses was born lowly, but was accepted into the the family of Pharaoh, the household of Pharaoh. He tried to do things his way, tried to do things on his own. Uh, That backfired. I can relate. God sent him into the backside of the wilderness for 40 years to temper him and to train him and to equip him. And then when he was ready, God used him mightily as the lawgiver. King David, youngest son of a family in Israel. Not much going on there. God saw something in David. Because he doesn't look on man as we do. Not on the stature, but inside, the heart. God had great things in store for David. Although sitting in the sheepfold at night, I doubt he saw any of that. When he was on the run from King Saul, sleeping in caves and in dens, I bet it became very difficult to to bring that promise, that vision back into focus. But his future was awesome. Those that wept at the time of the building of Zerubbabel's temple had no idea what would come in its future. They had no idea, no understanding how God would use that temple later on. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 gives this. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Because in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ himself would enter that temple. No greater glory than that. Just like the ancient men of Zerubbabel's day, Ezra's day, had no idea what the future would hold. Neither do we. We have no idea what our future in Christ holds here on earth. We understand in Scripture what eternity holds for us. But as far as should the Lord tarry and God wills, what's going to happen next week, next month, next year, five years? What's going to ha- what is God going to do with me? What is he going to do with you? <clears throat> we don't have any idea, but What we do know is this. Our future is awesome. Our future is so very bright. And again, not because of us, but because the Lord delights in us. And he chooses to use us according to his will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 For a long time, this was definitely my favorite passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 25 through 29. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's you. That's me. And because of that, 
because we recognize that we're not all that in a bag of chips. We don't have a whole lot to offer. But God is not looking for us to offer anything. He doesn't need my talents. He doesn't need my awesome speaking ability. He doesn't need my grand knowledge of Scripture. What he needs is my faithfulness. What he needs is my obedience to his will. That's what he needs from us. That's all he needs from us. He has given us talents and gifts and abilities, and we do need to use them for the kingdom of God. Absolutely. He doesn't need any of them. He needs your faithfulness. He needs your availability, your obedience. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. And if if we give him that, we all have that to give, all of us. And when we give him that, then he can use us the way he wants to. Then he can do everything his heart desires through you and in the manner he chooses. What an awesome, awesome thing. God is calling us into a very powerful, very potent future. And one thing I want us to understand as we move forward in that, God has given us promises. I believe, I believe that he has given us dominion in this city. That we are to cross Jordan and take the land. I believe that with all of my heart. But let's keep this in mind. The results are not up to us. They're up to God. The results are His. Our responsibility is is to remain faithful and obedient to Him. That's it. When we continue to do what He does, to go where He tells us to go, to stop when He tells us to stop, When we do those things, we can expect blessing. We can expect that the land will be given to us because the Lord will fight our battles for us. The enemies that face us out there are too strong for us. Just like the Israels discovered when they sent the spies over. The children of Anak are out there. The giants, walled cities. We can't take that. But God can use us. And he can use us to take the city. But the results are not up to us. I can all but promise you this as well. As we move forward into the will of God, as we move forward in the plan of God, we will have setbacks. The enemy will fight back. We will be called to endure hardness. We will be called to sacrifice. And so I want to say this as well. We can't allow ourselves to be separated from from the group. Don't separate yourself from this congregation. We need to be bound together as one body. One body. We need to, I told the, the, the leaders this last night, I'm going to tell our church this. We need to have each other's back. We need to be able to trust one another that if I get wounded, if I get hit, that you guys aren't just going to kick me to the curb. Well, now, now he's off doing whatever. If one of you guys get wounded, you get hit with temptation, you fail God in some way, we're not going to kick you to the curb. We don't kill off our wounded. Not here. Not ever. We nurse them back to health. We get them back in the fight. And we need to trust each other to do that. To carry one another's burdens. To esteem other better than ourselves. We need to submit ourselves one to another and be servants to each other. That's how we do this. We need one another. We need one another.
when the attacks come and the hard times come and they're going to come, we need to rally together. If one guy or if a family is really getting hit, we need to rally around that and protect them and fight for them until they can fight again. This is war. And if we get separated, and if we, we have a moment of weakness, that's when the enemy strikes. We all know that. We all know he's not going to strike us after a, a really good prayer meeting. We're strong then. Our faith in God is high then. He, he's he's going to wait. He's going to wait until Monday afternoon comes. When the check bounces. And the, the account is overdrawn. And... You go to work and, and you get laid off or you ask to, to take a demotion for the good of the company. <clears throat> it happens all the time. That's when he's going to hit you. And then you come home and your spouse is not very happy because now we got less money coming in. That's when you're going to get hit. You're tired. You're upset. You're frustrated. We've got to stay close to God. We've got to stay close to each other. When new people come in, we've got to rally around them. They don't know about this war going on. Sister Tammy... She is probably largely clueless about all of this at this point. She's a new convert. We need to rally around her. Bob is trying to come faithfully. We had a good heart-to-heart last Sunday. He's going to try to make it. And I know you guys have been working with him forever. I guess I'm going to take a shot at it. But I believe God has a plan for his life. He has a plan for everybody's life. <clears throat> we need to get around these people. We need to get around each other. We need to, to stay close to God. We need to be filled with His Spirit. We need to be filled with the Word of God. And it's okay to, to be ready for the attack. That's not being pessimistic. That's, that's just being a good steward of your time. It's coming. Be ready for it. You're on the mountaintop now? Fantastic. This too will come to pass. It always does. (laughs) Thankfully, so does the valley. Good days and bad days, they all come to pass. But we need to bind together as one. We need a spirit of unity, and we need to move forward in that spirit of unity wherever God leads. And on the way, we need to rally around one another, minister to one another. God is going to do such awesome things in these end days. We can't more than we could ask or even think. And he's going to use you, and he's going to use me to accomplish it. The enemy knows that. Don't give in to the wiles of the enemy. When you start getting little bugs in your ear about how sister so-and-so said something that she doesn't like you anymore, brother so-and-so said something, where did that come from? He's going to divide us, or try to, Let's give each other the benefit of the doubt. When I get something in my head, texting is really good for this. You have no idea what people mean when they're texting. You can throw literally anything you want into that text, any meaning at all. And it makes sense. What kind of, what kind of tone of voice is this? Okay. He's obviously mad with me. Yeah, all caps. Obviously he's mad. What did I do? He's not mad. He's just busy. 
Don't let the enemy do that. Okay. Enough on that. You get, you get the idea. I'm so excited about what God is going to do here. I'm so excited what God is going to do across the state. I mean, it's not just us. It, it will certainly be us. But it's going to be churches all over the state are going to, to experience things like this. What an awesome time to be living in. What a great period of history to be alive in. It's very possible. I believe it with all my heart. I believe I'm going to see Jesus come back. What a generation to be alive in. I'm going to see him come back. And if that's the case, I'm not going to experience death. This body will. Good riddance to it. It'll burn up and I'll be replaced. I can't wait. Maybe this one will have hair, Brother Parker. I'm hoping. <laughs> Amen. Faith for the present. We have got to believe God for the here and now. That comes through relationship. That comes through faithfulness to the covenant that he's established with us. Amen. We've got to believe him for what he's wanting to do today, right now, in your life, in this city. Praise God. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you. Thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in you. The covenant promises that you've given us are yea and amen. They most surely will come to pass. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm thankful for this particular period of history that you've placed us in. The times where you're going to be coming back. We very well may be the generation that is raptured, that sees you return. I so look forward to that. I so look forward to seeing you face to face and not through a glass darkly. To have full understanding of who you are. Hallelujah, Jesus. But in the meantime, we've got to be focused. We've got to be attent. We've got to move forward in the direction that you've chosen for us to go. Find us together as one. Grant unto this congregation a spirit of unity. One in spirit. One in direction. One in faith. Help us to move forward as one body. In the will and in the plan of God. Pray that you would bless us as we do so. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be with us as we go our separate ways. Continue to minister unto us to our needs this week. Bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give glory to you this week in all that we do, say, and think. These things we ask in Jesus' name.